be continuing where Pastor Ken left off in his series through First Peter. And uh, you can see that we have, uh, you know, we're going to be just covering a few verses. Uh, the way the book is written, it actually kind of jumps around. But all of this is going to be together at the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. Um, now we're going to be showing the verses on the screen so that everybody can understand that what I'm saying. We can all kind of uh, be reading the same things. But uh, you may want to reread this verse when it's not on the screen. So I encourage you to open your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have one in your lap, there might be one in front of, you know, in the chair in front of you. Um, so that you can check either what I'm saying or check the context or saying, wait a minute, what did he say again? Sometimes it goes too fast. Um, and you're supposed to do that, by the way. Okay, we're, we're supposed to be using our Bibles. That's the way God speaks to you. So it's not me that ought to be speaking to you, it's, it's God. So I encourage you to open your Bibles. So some of what, some or even most, of uh, what I'm going to say uh, will be familiar to you. But I don't want this to be a monologue. You know, I want the Holy Spirit to be involved in it. Um, and if the Holy Spirit tells you that there's something that you ought to either learn or apply to your lives, uh, you know, that would be able to change you, to make you, you know, closer to Christ, uh, you shouldn't forget it. And so what you need to do is you either need to write it in your Bible. It's okay to do that, by the way. You can write it in your Bible. Or if you have a, uh, a notepad, a, a journal, um, and if you don't have that with you, write it in your Bible, and then when you get home, you can put it in there. Because uh, you need to make it a point of prayer. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is, you know, you can run into something and you say, yeah, I ought to do that. And then you get home and you've forgotten all about it. Uh, the Bible says it's like looking in a mirror and seeing that there's something that ought to change. But when you get away from the mirror, you forget about it. So we're, uh, we're admonished to, uh, to do that. So to that end, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, that uh, you wrote uh, through Peter uh, these words. Lord, we know that they're from you. Lord, we know that uh, they're meant for us. Uh, to learn. Uh, sometimes they're commands, sometimes they're, they're just reminders, but Lord, uh, we just pray that you would uh, help us through this again. Um, and I'm sure familiar territory, but Lord, maybe it's one that we haven't applied to our lives. So Lord, we're, we're, we're counting on you to uh, illumine uh, your word in our hearts. Okay, now uh, we want to read. Uh, I want the next chart, please. We have it, yes. Okay, I want to read, first of all, uh, 1 Peter 2, uh, 2 through 3, uh, 22 rather, to, to 25. Um, all right, by obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached as the gospel to you. And the next, uh, next chart. So rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, like newborn infants, 
Desire the pure spiritual milk, so that you may grow by it for your salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right, now, uh, I kind of, uh, I'm an engineer, you know, and I, I, I like to think things a little bit, a little bit differently. Uh, did we? Okay, so the next chart. It's an engineer's chart, right? It's a flow diagram. And it, it doesn't start. I don't know whether you've ever tried to diagram these sentences that are in the Bible. Uh, how many here are either English majors or have learned a lot of English? I mean, Cheryl's downstairs. Cheryl's downstairs, but uh, Janet used to teach English, didn't you? And, and you know, there's some of you. Uh, how many of you really enjoyed diagramming? Okay, you know, I mean, it can be fun. It, you know, it's sort of like a detective uh, thing. What? What is he talking about? What is this describing? What, you know, is this an adverbial clause or is it a, is a you know, prepositional phrase or what, you know, what is it? And how do you put those in? All right, well, here's the way I look at it. All right, first of all, uh, I didn't put it in here because it, it, it's where we start out uh, before the path. You start out in verse 124, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls. So that's where we start. You know, we start with just normal human life. Uh, we're gonna die someday. I, I hope it doesn't upset you. Uh, nobody has lived forever. Uh, I know somebody that's getting close to it. My mother is gonna be 100 uh, in, uh, in December. That's kind of scary, because if, if, if I end up being that, you know, getting to be that age, what am I gonna do for the next 24 years? Uh, she was 24 when I was born, so that's how I know. You know, I just keep adding, and I was always 24 years. You know, and, and you say, what am I going to do? What does God want me to do? Uh, and how in the world am I going to get that done? So we start out that way. So then you go to 125, which is, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, and this is the word that was preached as the gospel to you. So that's that gospel, when the gospel first got to you. You know, you realize there's a way out of this, this, this monotony in life, this frustration of, of the world not working properly, of, of me never being able to do what I really want to do. So then we go to First um, Peter 1.23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. So... First of all, you've got to hear the gospel. Second of all, you have to be born again. There's no way, there's no, no path to loving one another without, without being born again. So, uh, the next, this is when I get to three-dimensional flipping on my charts. <laughs> now, next we go to 1 Peter 2, 3, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, how did we do that? Well, we knew we were sinners, and we knew of all the things that we have done that if we saw him in somebody else, it would be unforgivable. Yet God forgave us. In his love, God forgave us of our sins. And so that's where it first tasted good. And then we move over to First uh, Peter 2. 2, like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow by it for your salvation. doesn't mean that you do that in order to be saved. You have already been saved by grace, not of works. But uh, I don't remember being a baby. Okay, but I, I know when I see a baby, uh, 
That, that's, they really like to have their moms around. And it's, uh, but I remember when I was first saved, uh, you know, I found out there was a Bible study on Sunday nights. Whoa, got to go. Found out there was a Bible study on Wednesday nights. Got to go. Uh, you know, I couldn't learn enough. And maybe we all started out that way. And uh, as in the book of Revelation, we find, you know, the church, you know, you need to return to your first love, and that's where we need to be. Uh, when we think we're mature, uh, we got a problem. So we, we need to keep growing. That's the whole process of sanctification. We're saved by the grace of God. We're going to be glorified by the grace of God. In between is this sanctification process. That's by the grace of God also. Okay, it's not of works. There's no way that you can do that by yourself. It requires full cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, in uh, the next box there, First um, Peter 22, I'm going to split this up into uh, several different sections here, by obedience to the truth. And what we see there is, is uh, um, that we realize that, you know, God has an idea here. And he says, this is the path you must go. And as long as you're on a path, I'm going to be, keep protecting you. I'm going to keep guiding you. I'm going to keep helping you along the way. When you get off that path, you're you know, you're doing it on your own, and you are on your own. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna say, God, I don't need you, I'm gonna do this myself, you're on your own. You don't wanna be on your own. So, one of, one of the real neat scriptures I, I really love is Second Timothy you know, 3, uh, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. I'm gonna say this from the King James, I don't care what the other one. <laughs> All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's what's right, for reproof, I mean for correction, uh, no, I'm sorry, for reproof. Uh, that's what's wrong. I, I, I need to know when I'm on the wrong. You know when it says one way and you're going the wrong way, you want to know it. Uh, and for correction is how to get it right. And for instruction in righteousness is how to keep it right. And the whole idea of the Bible is that it's there for us. Um, that we may be complete, equipped for every good work. And the whole idea is to get to the end. Uh, as somebody who can stand before God and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Uh, you can't do it on your own. And if you ignore the instructions, uh, you're really on your own. All right, the next box, First uh, Peter 2.1. Um, so rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Now the, uh, why... Why, why would I have a trouble with that? Why, why can't I just kind of throw that aside? Well, it's because I've got a human brain, unfortunately. And this human brain is, I've been taught by the world that I need to protect myself. And all of these things are ways of protecting myself. If I'm going to get my own way, own way I might have, to, might have to lie, or I might have to say something different about where I'm going. I'm going to be a hypocrite, or, or maybe it's someplace where I want to go that I can't go, so I'm really envying or uh, you know, with slander. Uh, if somebody's in my way, I'm gonna kind of destroy their reputation or something like that. Well, Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this age. That's what I grew up in. Uh, seems like you learn your, your best examples of this in your, in your teenage years, you know, and in high school. Uh, and our kids, I don't know, one of our kids, I should say, uh, learned that uh, trash talk on a soccer field what was supposed to be able to demoralize, you know, the other team member. And, and then uh, 
had, a, had one that, that went to uh, the NCCAA soccer championships in the world, or I mean in the United States, and they had, uh, the team that won was from Santa Clara College in, in California, and they were, they never trash talked, and uh, if you managed to get something by them, they'd say, yeah, it was good, you did good on that, or if you couldn't, couldn't, and I said, well, keep trying. Or if you tried to do, if you were successful and you tried to do it the second time, they said, no, 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 I saw you do that before. You got to do something different this time. But they never trash talk. You know, there's always encouraging, and that's the way we need to be. So Romans 12:2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We need to be transformed. We really do. I do. All of us do. You know, if you you look in a mirror, you look in a mirror of God's word. And you say, all right, I don't believe that. We need to be transformed. All right, the next one, uh, uh, having purified yourselves. Um, we, uh, let's see, what I, what I saw from that and purifying yourself, that's the next step. In other words, I, I've read the Bible. Okay, I know I'm supposed to get rid of something. Now, how do I do it? I've got to purify myself. Psalm 119, uh, 165 to 168. Abundant peace belongs to those who love your instructions. <clears throat> Nothing makes them stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation and carry out your commands. I obey your decrees and love them greatly. Do you love rules? They're there for your protection. The ones that God gives, I, you know, maybe others aren't, but the, the rules that God gives are for our protection. I obey your precepts and decrees for all my ways are before you. God's trying to keep us on that path. Okay, the next step, now that my heart is purified, I discover something else, that God's love can be shared with others, that we, we become a channel of God's love. Just like everything else that God gives us, we're, we're supposed to not hang on to it, but we're supposed to be a channel. So uh, he says, for sincere love of the brothers. 1 John 4, 7, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Well, I've been born of God and I don't love. Okay, well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, you know, we do have problems with that because uh, 1 Peter uh, 22, the last part of it, fourth part, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Uh, I don't know really you notice the word in there. It's, it's a command. Now, why does God command us to do something? Fear not. Why does he say fear not? Because we're afraid. He knows we're afraid. Uh, love one another. Why would he say love one another? Because we're not loving? Yeah, he knows. So why is it a command? Maybe our immaturity, and really, you know, God is treating us as his, as his children. Our immaturity gets in the way, and we only love the ones we like. Ever thought about that? You know, who was my neighbor? Uh, back then, in the, the Pharisees, uh, the neighbors were the people they like. And so when it says, love your neighbor as yourself, they say, yeah, no problem. But my neighbor, you see, in their mind, was just somebody that they like. Well, we're supposed to get past that. So how can we sincerely and earnestly love everyone that we meet? Now, there's a real challenge. It says love your enemies, even. Well, uh, agape love is said to be an action and not a feeling. 
Okay, I don't like them, but um, I'll, I'll do something for them. No, no, no. <laughs> See, that phrase isn't in the Bible. You know, we'd like to quote that phrase, but, but that's not in the Bible. Um, agape love will result in action. But love is not what we do. It's what we are. So how can I love others automatically from my heart? See, my heart has to change if I'm going to love others. I don't want to have to think about it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to love them. I'm going to have to do this for them. Well, no, no, that's not from the heart, is it? That's a, that's a sense of duty. Um, I heard about a guy that came, well, we got Mother's Day coming up. So we got, uh, or, or a birthday, or an anniversary. Let's make it an anniversary. So the guy comes home, and he's got some, some chocolate and some flowers. And, uh, and he rings the doorbell. You know, his wife answers the door, and he says, I'd like you to have these. And I said, wow, thanks. And she's thinking, he really loves me. And he said, okay, now, I'm on, now, now my duty is done. I'm going to watch the football game. Well, that kind of goes over like, like a lead balloon, doesn't it? So that's, that's not the way it works. Uh, it's got to come from the heart, and it's not an action. It's, it's, a, it's something we really uh, we want to be able to do uh, automatically. So uh, in 1 Timothy 1.5, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. So he's talking to a pastor there. Now we know pastors are supposed to be loving. So, uh, well, now we come to the point where we find it useful to look at the book that pastor was, has been, been telling you about. Uh, it's the book Everyday Church. It's by uh, Tim Chester and Steve Timmis. And it's, it's really uh, about how each of us has a role in helping each other uh, mature. Uh, in Christ. Um, and we could say that that's really, uh, I'm going to go on to the next chart. We could say that that's really the uh, pastor's responsibility. Wouldn't we do that? Pastor's responsibility. I mean, if I'm not that way, it's because my pastor uh, made me that way. Or maybe uh, things that ought to get done. Visit somebody in the hospital, that's a pastor's job. Uh, marry somebody, that's a pastor's job. Uh, Somebody needs a funeral, that's a pastor's job. Uh, somebody needs marriage counseling, that's a pastor's job. Uh, you know, et cetera. And what we find out here in terms of pastoral care, uh, and there's, there's a couple of different references. Uh, you know, I put one on the bottom of this chart, but you can just Google this stuff and find it. Uh, most small church pastors want to reach more people. See, we're talking about Pastor Ken here, aren't we? That's why it's great that he's not here, because he, you know, I can't, I can't talk about that. Uh, you, know, as, uh, you know, he wouldn't be comfortable if he were here listening to this. Uh, they want to see their mission fully realized. They hope and pray for the day when they can reach as many people as possible. Okay, I mean, this is stuff we hear every week, isn't it? They want to reach as many people as possible in their community, and he wants to go beyond that. We want to be able to influence other churches. We want to be able to influence uh, churches in Africa, India, you know, wherever, Haiti. Uh, but that's simply not reality. Okay, and here's why. You see, there's a difference between the office of pastor and the activity of our caregiving. In other words, our 
pastoral influence. But I don't want to call it our pastover, our, our, our pastoral uh, activity because you know then we're going to get confused between us and Pastor Ken. But in every case, uh, the pastor has responsibilities, and uh, we do too. So if a church is going to grow, congregations have to let go of the expectation that their pastor does everything in the church. Now, instead of pastoral care, we're going to talk about one another care. So to avoid confusion in terms, I'm going to change any reference that I have in, in Chester and Timmis uh, headings from pastoral care to one another care. The best answer for pastoral care in a larger church is to teach people to care for each other. Okay? Pastoral care is not the sole responsibility of the pastor any more than evangelism is the sole responsibility of an evangelist or that mission activity is the sole responsibility of the missionary. We're all supposed to be involved in this. This should be something we care about. So uh, what are a pastor's primary responsibilities? Well, we've read about it before. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 through 13. You're going to recognize them. You don't need to look them up. And he, Jesus, personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers for the training of the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. The same thing that, uh, that uh, Paul was telling Timothy, you know, that we all uh, work together in order to become a, not just a, a mature person. And we're going to find out here that it's not just you or the one sitting in your chair, the one standing here, you know, it's just us individually, but we're supposed to be a body. We're going to be talking more about that later. So, uh, so to do this, what we're going to do look, is look at some principles. And let me keep an eye on the time. We're going to look at some principles here. Now, first of all, uh, our care needs to be every day. If the only teaching we get is on Sunday morning, we're going to backslide faster than we can grow uh, and mature spiritually. We need instruction daily. Uh, now, maybe it's less for somebody retired like myself. <clears throat> you know, I'm in my house, uh, and I, I'm not going by the the, the roadside uh, you know, billboards. I'm not. I'm not going by the. You know, in a mall and be able to see what's in all kinds of windows in there. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm not looking at the at the magazine rack. You know, in stores. Uh, I, I'm not looking at at, at what people uh, dress uh, or what people are talking about. If I stay in my house, you see. But most of you aren't in that category. You know, you're out in the world, and there are temptations that are getting thrown at you all the time. This is what the devil's all about, and what it, why it's called the world system. Uh, there's temptation after temptation that's thrown our way. And if we see it often enough, uh, we become immune to it. Uh, for a long time, I didn't have a television. 
uh, I, you know, I, I had a television, I put it in the attic. Okay, I had it, you know, but I, you know, I, I left it in a high place. It's, uh, and, uh, and there was a um, heavyweight title fight. Muhammad Ali was defending his title. Gotta watch that, I mean, you know, he's the greatest. And um, so I said, God, I'm just gonna bring this down just to watch this fight, and then I'll put it right back up. And I didn't. So Jerry Fall was talking about a, a, a sitcom called uh, Love Boat. Uh, but what he did is he called it Lust Boat. And uh, I said, I wonder what that's all about. You know, just curiosity kind of a thing. So I turned it on, and, and I, I forget what the, what the, the, oh, you know it, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> but here, here's what happened, though. I turned it on, and they're going through the, the song in the beginning of it, and all of a sudden, the shrink, the, the screen, you know, the, the, this cathode ray tube, the whole thing shrank, and then there was a little cloud of smoke. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't put it up in the attic. I, I put it out to the curb. And, and, but, uh, but anyway, when you haven't seen television for a long time, and then you go back and you look at television, you see, I can't believe what these people are doing or what they're saying. But if you watch it long enough, you get used to it. And that's what the world does to us. It, it beats us down. And that's why you need it, not just weekly care. We need constant care throughout the week. We need not just pastor. We need to have each other. We need to be in, in, in uh, communion, uh, essentially, with each other, uh, you know, throughout the week so that we can keep encouraging one another, uh, you know, to keep, uh, keep on the path. So uh, Hebrews uh, 3.13, but encourage each other daily, while it's still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. And it's intended to do that. You'd never say, I would talk that way or I would do that. But somehow we, get, we just want to see what's going on. And we get, we get immune to it after a while. And we don't want that. So we can encourage each other spontaneously as we cross, cross paths. Um, but when people have busy schedules, like a lot of, a lot of you that, that are working, uh, you know, some of you, you know, two, two three jobs, um, we might have to plan to meet together. That's why we have men's Bible studies. That's why we have women's Bible studies. You know, it's just once a week, but, but it's different from pastor time. And, and we try to put things in. But we have to plan to meet together. So whether we, whether we do meet or uh, whenever we do meet, uh, here's the important point. Whenever we do meet, uh, we need to try to be gospel intentional. There has to be a purpose. Somehow God has to, has to get some time in here. It, it, it's, it's important because otherwise we're we're like everybody else. Uh, I mean, everybody meets. You know, it doesn't say anything about, about the Bible. <clears throat> about the Bible. <coughs> so it's important that we be gospel intentional. Um, we need to talk about what we're reading in the Bible, sharing our spiritual struggles, praying for shared needs, and this goes both for when we're talking to Christians and when we're talking to non-Christians. Why not? I mean, if you can talk about the Minnesota Vikings, why can't you talk about how Christ is working in your life? Uh, maybe we just want to talk about other people. You know, I don't want to talk about me. Uh, I don't want to get personal. Well, we're, we need to get personal. Uh, it's the only way we can encourage each other, and the only way we can pray for each other is to know what we're praying about. So I, I just encourage you to uh, do a Bible search on a phrase and you've got to put it in quotes, otherwise 
You know, you get all kinds of things. One another, quote, one another, unquote. Um, and you find verses like, uh, be at peace with one another, uh, forgiving, agreeing, being humble, accepting, forbearing, uh, living in harmony. Uh, do not judge, lie, or grumble. Show hospitality to one another. Confess your sins to one another. See, the only way we can be honest with people is say, you know, I'm not perfect either. Uh, I'm not going to repeat what I said Thursday night, though, Ed. <laughs> uh, be kind to one another, concerned, devoted, serving, doing good, instruct and teach one another, uh, comfort and encourage one another, and admonish, rebuke, exhort, and stir up one another. Okay, well, what about that last one, you know? I mean, I'm kind of comfortable teaching and encouraging, but to most of us, there's a struggle with rebuking. <coughs> so when, uh, say we read Hebrews, but what about uh, Hebrews 3, uh, 12 and 13? I think we have it on the screen there. Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be any of you in an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. The same sort of thing, isn't it? <coughs> now, if you're worried, worried about that, uh, the word for confronting somebody, um, the word is actually, you know, when we're encouraging somebody or exhort in the King James, it's kind of an interesting word because the, uh, hopefully you've heard of this Greek term before. The word is parakaleo. Does that ring a bell with anybody? I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you a comforter. You know what the word for comforter is? Parakaleo. Okay, para is alongside. Kaleo is call. So you want to call alongside. That's when you're meeting somebody. And it's not, I'm sending you out to do something I don't want to do. It's, let's do this together. Let's grow together. Let's encourage each other together. So it's all a matter of together. So that's why we're, we're talking about um, one another care. And we're caring every day. All right, there's another point. <coughs> ah. Oh, don't want to miss that. Yes, okay, the, uh, the next part of this uh, is when you are confronting somebody, watch out. I, I don't mean that you're worried about the other person. Um, brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit watching out for yourselves so you won't be tempted. Get that last part? Watch out for yourselves lest you might also be tempted. So that's the dangerous part of it is when you're talking about something, uh, you're not immune to any problem that the other person is having. And so it has to be a matter of prayer. It has to be a matter of, of working together uh, you know, with the Holy Spirit in your life. So uh, confronting can be dangerous as well as difficult because talking about sin can tempt me into doing the same thing. I was be the one, the one doing the carrying can have a problem then. Uh, 
So it's a matter of prayer when you, when you come up against somebody and you, I don't know, you know, sometimes when you talk about a problem, you say, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. No, no, we're getting caught up with it. But it's important to realize that everyday care will often avert the need for contra confrontation in the future. So in other words, you, you can either nip it in the bud, you know, and say, hey, I want to deal with this now, or you can wait until it becomes a real problem. So we'd like to be able to handle that right away. I'll do one more. Excuse me. All right, uh, next chart. Care and community. And the community here is a, a word, uh, I, I believe the, the Bible word is quinonia. There was a time when we get together. Uh, it's, it's us as a church. Uh, we work together, we learn together. Uh, we share our prayer requests together. Uh, when, when, there's, when somebody has a, has, a, has a need, you say, oh, I can help you with that. Uh, when somebody is sick, you say, I've been, I've been through that before. I, I, I know how you feel. I'd be happy to pray with you. And uh, it's, it's not a matter of giving advice. It's a matter of, let's see what the Lord wants to do or what we can learn you know, from this situation. So the, uh, the God-given context uh, for one another is our church community. So in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Uh, you know, you really need to consider the fact that if we're a body, aren't we supposed to be taking care of each other? If my foot itches, what, what am I supposed to do? Say, well, it's your problem. Uh, no, you, your fingers get involved. Uh, I don't want you to all, all of a sudden start itching your feet right now because I'm talking about it, but, but, but that's, the whole point is that my body takes care of my body. Romans 12, 4 and 5. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many in one body in Christ and individually, we're members of one another. Uh, we have a nervous system. Uh, that's what tells me that my foot is itchy. And my brain says, well, duh, you got some fingers, take care of it. Well, if shoes in a way, well, you know, I don't unleash your, your shoelaces. Come on, get at it. And, you know, the whole body works together in order to be able to solve the problem. We're just members of a body. First uh, Corinthians 12, 26. So one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Ever thought about it that way? I don't have a problem. I'm not sick. My car didn't break down. If that person can't do their job, then the whole church is incomplete. It needs all of us. All of us are gifted differently, and all of us have various, you know, different kinds of input to the church so that the church body will work together. And if you're not involved in it, whether because you don't care or because you can't because you're sick or you're you're in trouble somehow, then the body is not as strong as it can be. We need to have a strong body, and the only way we can have a strong body is to work together. We care in community. We take care of each other. That's the whole purpose. Uh, people in the world, don't, they really don't care about what you're doing. The, the only love we have uh, in terms of taking care of ourselves 
is from ourselves. Pastors talked about us, you know, we're out, we're out on the fringes. You know, we're in aliens in, in, a, in a strange world. We're, we're really citizens of heaven, but we're living here. People don't like us because we, we operate on different principles. You're not going to get love from other people, you know, real love. I can get help from my doctor. Why is that? Because I pay the bills. Help him get his kids through college, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's not love, that's, that's a job. So we're talking about sacrificial love. So we care for one another in everyday life. We care for one another in community. And I'm going to stop now. I have, uh, we have taken care of chart 10 out of 20. And Pastor said I could save the rest for next week. So we have, uh, we have three more principles. And then we have four things that are just going to liberate us to be able to do what God wants us to do. They're liberating truths. And uh, so it's not, a, it's not something that, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, I've never done this before. Oh, what's it going to do for me? Uh, it's, it's not only following God's will, but we're, but we're going to finish this up on how to do it, and then we're going we're to show how God is going to bless us by it. So I'm finished with chart 10, and we're going to go on for next week. And uh, at this point, 